Welcome to Farming Eternal, an eternal podcast for farmers, hosted by me, Patamaro, and Hats on Lamps. It's episode 118. For those of you tuning in for the first time, we are a draft-focused podcast. Our goal is to help you and me, but mostly me, get better at draft. We get into the nitty-gritty of the drafting process with a little meta-analysis and play tips thrown in. So this week, Hats is not on, but I have a super special guest. this year's world champion, uh, the Overmaster. Hello, Overmaster. Hey, what's up, guys? <laughs> yeah, it's pretty. Yeah, I'm very excited that you you're coming on because uh, it really, actually, uh, the stars aligned because we've been planning to do um, a draft episode on drafting these uh, three or four faction decks that some people seem to love so much, and I'm actually personally have a little bit of trouble having good results with. And you're kind of known as someone who loves to draft these multi-faction decks. And then you won the world championship. That's right, for sure. Yeah. I even drafted a... Uh, well, I wouldn't call them... I wouldn't ca- necessarily call them four-faction decks in, in that kind of sense, right? They're not necessarily like all four... Fa- sometimes, sometimes, but not necessarily like all four factions like spread out evenly or anything like that. It's generally a two-faction plus two-splash kind of thing. But um, but I did draft that kind of deck in Worlds and went two and one. So there you go. Yeah, no. So, I yeah, I agree. It's a little weird on the terminology of what actually is a three or four faction deck or what is like a two faction deck splashing a bunch of invoke spells or whatever. But I think we'll get into a little bit of what you've been doing and having success with as the episode goes on. Uh, So the first thing we do every week is uh, plug our Patreon. Um, So you can find our Patreon at patreon.com slash farmingeternal. I finally updated all the names. So we now have the correct name list. So everyone who had donated a dollar, hoping I would read their name forever and ever, your time is over. You don't have to donate another dollar in order to get me to read your name for months and months and months on end. So, to all our actual patrons, uh, thank you very much. And that is uh, our new patron, uh, Odds OS, possibly. <laughs> D Dub, John, Steve Irwin, Cotillion, Loki Trickster, Sigma Tank, Mercurio Blue, Abid Nago, Meagles, Madness, Darth Herman 2, Jed the Homrid, Work Done Sun, Yistout, Raven Dragon, Esrich0215, and Sunblaze. We appreciate your continued support. Uh, cool. So uh, let's get into it. So I think you had a pretty good draft week in one sense, since you got, like you said, you got 2-1 at the World Championship, which uh, was probably what you're, <laughs> what you're hoping, at least, to yeah, get out of draft with a pretty good record. Because if you 2-1 each two. format, you were pretty close to locked for top four, right? Uh, actually, with the way it worked, it actually was a lock for top four top four if you got two one in each format that doesn't there wasn't necessarily the case depending on how breaks went but in this case there was a clean cut to top four so yeah yeah i was i was (laughs) i was expecting a two one or or three oh out of it but we came pretty close to not getting that i i can i can say that firmly like i i got crushed by ronin x and then um and then straight in and um and Law Warrior both have been very, very close. Like uh, Straight had a nice aggressive deck, and 
a law warrior. Like if he didn't draw, like you know, he didn't, he flitted out quite a bit. I I noticed it on um on the vod later on, right? I was wondering what mm-hmm. happened because I I basically attacked for five for like five four turns in a row or something like that, and with a two two and a three three and never got. Now now I will say that their deck was very low on the top end, so um I and I had already dealt with most of it, so it wasn't like they were drawing to something that was crazy, but they could have defended against what I was doing at the very least and maybe made it into uh, a, a much a much better game than it ended up being. At least that was the third game. Right. But, so I guess uh uh, with with this, so did you preparing for the world championship? So you also won, I think it was the first uh, draft open, right? This year or second, this past year? I, the second draft open. Collector won the first one. Collector won the first one. You won the second one. Yeah. Did Boxer never win one? He he won the third one. Oh, there was three. That's very true. Okay. Okay, glad we <laughs> glad we cleared that up. Uh, um, okay, so you won the second one. So I guess my question is, you're not like a regular in the draft queue. So do do you consider yourself a drafter, or is it something that you were just preparing for for these tournaments? Um, so I considered myself a drafter when I played Magic. Um, and locally, I was one of the top top drafters locally in the uh the halifax scene um but i mean that gets expensive it still gets expensive no matter how good you are right so um you sort of have to take a if you're if you're not making any money you need to take a step back and play other uh play other games uh, that don't cost you know an arm and leg to play so uh eternal uh when i started playing eternal i was mainly a drafter in eternal 2 um but that, when the format switched over to set two, and especially set three, I really didn't like the format then, and it sort of like took me off of it. And I, I, I was starting to enjoy constructed more, so I played constructed for a very long time, uh, almost exclusively. Right, I played a little bit of draft here and there, but um, for there was another set, and I can't remember what it was. I think it was like the renowned set or something. Um, I, I came back and, and played and, and drafted a bit because that was a pretty sick format. Um, and then before then, uh, and then of course they uh, they actually gave us opens for draft. Right? There was another draft. Um, uh, there was another draft tournament last year where it qualified like a couple people for for the. Uh, for the world championship, yes. I think four people. Yeah, I, right? I think he qualified four people. Yeah. And that's where Gunner and Vader Man qualified plus two constructed. Stormblast and and uh and Arank. Yeah. Um Arank and Stormblast uh may may consider themselves mainly constructed players uh on the outset, but they're definitely more than capable uh, draft players. I, I yes. they're on my t- they're on my team in TBC and they they they've certainly helped me out quite a bit in, in draft. Um so I didn't do well in that tournament, so I sort of put draft on the back burner again, and then I didn't do I didn't make top sixty four of the um, of the one that collector won, although I was uh, preparing and I thought I was doing okay in the draft queues at that point, but it was still like draft is not easy, right? So it took me a couple of uh, tries to get better at it. Um, 
again, considering how long I've been out of the uh, out of the queues for. And then, of course, I I won I won the open, and then top sixty four the la- last open. Um, and right. uh, so I prepared a lot more heavily for those tournaments. Let's say. Mm-hmm. Um, so then, you because the last open that you also top sixty four, that that was also set twelve, format. right? This format, yeah, yeah. But by that time, um, the sort of the the four faction invoke strategy wasn't nearly a set in stone, or not set in stone at all, right? It was it was right. not. I didn't even realize that this was a possibility. I thought it was extremely heavily a two faction format. Um, so uh, I, I was still only drafting exclusively two faction decks by that point. By the right. time of the open. Well, that was very close to the beginning of the format. So it's, it's kind of interesting to see like, yeah, the evolution of the format, you know, it, this was like only 15 players. Uh, so we didn't see like a ton of deck lists, but sort of how the thinking changed. Cause a lot of people in this, the world championship drafted at least, you know, three, a lot of the decks were three colors, whether that was two colors in a splash or, you know, two or three colors. Yeah. I, I don't think people realized at the start of the format, just how powerful Inscribe was as a splash uh, mm-hmm. splash mechanic um, because it was mostly used as a way to like mitigate flood uh, mitigate flood right a flood right. or 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 to to because uh, you, you can run a, a 15 um, 15 power power base right um, with a with a uh, in my opinion depending on the deck uh, only three inscribes but um, you, you you I I think uh, in general you want in general, like you can run fifteen uh, power with uh, with three inscribes. I generally don't. I think that something went wrong in the draft if you were only able to grab three inscribes, though, right? So I, I think that five or six is in general where you're shooting for as a minimum. And with some of these four faction decks, you can have. I, I I've hit like ten inscribe cards, right? Like, and and since some of the inscribe cards are things like Carnosaur Beta, you're not actually sad about running so many of them. Because they're just strong cards anyway. Yes. And that's yeah. one of the keys to potentially drafting this particular style, which we'll talk about, is that you don't want to be playing that. You want to be drafting a lot of inscribed cards, but there are some inscribed cards that are better than others, let's say. Right. Yeah, yeah. And we'll definitely get into that. So how much... How much draft did you play between the open and now of set 11 or did you just like really start prepping for the world championship like this past month now i may not be in the queues as much as you think i am because Mm -hmm. i i spend a lot of time in voice calls with people helping them draft uh, draft their decks or or you know it's generally very very fun exercise for me and uh friends of ours in the wsg discord mainly but also on on the team uh in tbc um it's just it's just extremely fun to you know uh hang out with your friends and and draft right so right you may not see my name a lot but let's say you've seen for example shadows uh queuing a lot um in in uh in the draft format uh you know let's say about 50% of the time I might be behind the call, right? I might yeah. be behind that. 
or, or something like Spifferific or something like like it's just a, a vast amount of times that I, I, I I'm not even uh, I'm not the person behind the the mouse right right uh, but but I'm I'm definitely you know um, ha- helping uh, do, do these drafts right so mm-hmm. so I, I if you want to consider both the time the stuff that I've drafted right. And and yeah. I did I, I got the Masters fairly quickly this month, which was which felt pretty nice. Yeah, and I saw you posted a screenshot of top ten in in all three formats. I, I did that to intimidate my 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 competitors. <laughs> but no, I mean that does mean that you both did draft a cer you know a fair bit and also did well. Yeah. So. Yeah, so I did an insane amount of preparation for draft. In fact, I did such an insane amount of preparation for draft prior to the week before Worlds that I felt like I didn't really need that much preparation the week leading up to Worlds. I just mainly focused on Expedition and Throne, I think. Right. Um, so what is what does that preparation look like? Is that just drafting with friends and teammates and discussing picks and stuff? Or is there something more to it? That's that's basically it. I don't have I don't do tier lists. I'm basically like cast like uh, Cassandra. Th- he yeah he's against tier lists. I'm not against tier lists uh, like in in the same way I guess. But like uh, I I just don't use them right. I I yeah. I have a feeling for the format right. I go in and I, everything is context based right. If I draft this card. I, the the next card that I draft uh, might might work well with that. I, I you know there could be some combos that I'm looking for. Uh, it's all context based, right? Like um, for example, um, one thing that came up in a recent Twitch chat that um, that Sizzle uh, was talking about was uh, uh, that I, I thought that Beta was the strongest time common, right? And he disagreed with me. But like it's all context, right? Or it's like if you need a four drop, uh, Lotus Instructor can certainly be better, right? But I think yeah. early on in a draft, I will definitely take the um, the inscribe card, right? Because yeah. then it opens me up to early going for these 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 uh these really extremely high win rate, at least for me and others that I've uh, talked with. Uh, invoke style, invoke style. Um, a four faction, four faction, two fact, generally two faction with the double splash types of decks. Yeah, yeah, that's like I, I kind of that's what's interesting to me about this format is that it really does seem that there's like a bunch of really good players who are still disagreeing on <laughs> what exactly is the best approach, and that's something I just like always find interesting in general because it's hard for me to parse whether that means like there is a best approach and some people are wrong or whether there's just like a bunch of good approaches and it's really depends, you know, like play style and personal preference just play such a large part that, you know, you don't actually have to conform your game to, to someone else's like, play style yeah. or pick style you know draft drafting style even in general my teammates kind of disagreed with me on this format right like that they both drafted two faction decks right yeah um in in the world championship about however 
I will note that whenever I, I saw I, I saw one of my teammates being like, you know what, I did a Theo, right? I did a Theo and drafted a four-faction deck. Uh, it was almost nearly unanimously a seven-win deck, right? Yeah. I, I, maybe, they're, maybe they're not posting everything that uh, that they see, and certainly Frafa has has said that, you know, he's had mixed results with the, with the, um, with the, with the draft, with drafting four faction invoke. But, um, I, I just see it so often that, uh, you know, in the WSG, for example, there's a channel for uh, WSG discord. There is a channel that we post our seven wind decks, just like there is in farming eternal, obviously. Um, and it's just, you know, filled, filled with, se- uh, at least from some of us, right. At least from some of us like random yeah. or, or, uh, or like D. Vincent and uh, Spiff and, and Shadows and whatnot, they're all just filled with four faction decks. It's just right. all of them with the with the you know the you know f- the inscribed splash uh, splash mechanic. Yeah, yeah, it, it is interesting. You know, because like for me, like my personal experience is not that where yeah. like playing these invoke piles is like the fastest way for me to get a three three <laughs> where yeah but but then like you know a ton of people are doing well and then i saw like yesterday you were sort of um in the discord uh you know you got into a lengthy discussion with northern polarity about like right, the yeah. best way <laughs> way to to draft this format so it's just like always interesting to see all these different styles uh, different formats are different, right? I think yeah. that I, I do think that the you it's clear that you can draft a two faction deck and still seven win very very reasonably and very yeah. very very well. Find the open lane, blah blah blah, right? It's still clear that you can do that. Um, and uh, and I'm not saying that every single time you should even draft the four faction style. Like you could, you know, not get a piece of fixing in the first pack, and uh, that that's that's like. Very, very red flag territory, right? Uh, not getting a piece of fixing in first back, like a, like a, what's the card called? Volunteer core or something like that. Like, that that's yeah. a clear signal to me that you should potentially do it. But like, um, that you don't always get that, or like one or two tomes or something in the first pack. Like, if you don't get that, you you are forcing at that point, and sometimes it works out still. Right, but the, right. I, I would consider that a uh, that a force level territory, right, where you didn't didn't see what you wanted to see, and now you either continue trying to do that thing, right, because you're you you did draft a, like let's say you drafted like three evokes, and they're all like different uh, different colors and whatnot. You could still continue drafting that, and you might get there, and you you probably will, to be honest, with that that amount of evoke, or it could it could uh, derail very very quickly because you didn't get enough fixing right yeah yeah that's actually one of the things i have trouble with is like when i'm drafting two faction decks like it's much easier for me to switch gears and like you know if it turns out one of my colors isn't open and then like finding the open lane for my second color and stuff i have a lot of trouble switching gears being like, okay, I'm forcing four factions, and then being like, oh, this is not working. I need to go back to a two faction deck, and then I like look at my deck list, and I'm like, I have no idea how to, <laughs> how to salvage this anymore. 
And then things go like way off the rails from there. One thing you do have to do is like if you see like a bomb or something like that, maybe not like an extreme bomb, but let's say a medium bomb. I don't know, like a I don't want to say like Pillar of Amara because like, sure, I, you, you can try to splash or, or, or main uh, in your, if your time is your main faction. A pull over Myron of a four faction or five faction deck, and certainly, uh, certainly, I've been known to do such things. Um, but uh, there's something that's easier to 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 play with, right? Like some single faction bomb, and you see a piece of fixing in the same pack, like a bannerman. Like there's very often an amount of times that you have to take the bannerman, right? You can't. Yeah. And I see it. I see it all the time, even in the people that I'm drafting with, right? It's like okay, so there's this bomb, and then there's this banner, right? Well, if you are doing the four faction invoke strategy, right? You sometimes you can't take that bomb. You have to take the banner because you have to be able to play your cards, right? Now that, right. but that's exactly like, and I like the I like this. I th- I thought of this earlier uh, to to like if you're drafting a two faction deck and you're already setting your colors. Let's say your um, your Recano or something like that, and you see a Joe in the last pack, right? And you have like some some a minor capability of splashing and let's say you have one banner or something like that but generally you're not going to grab that joe right you're just going to grab the card that's going to be that's going to definitely go in your deck like a like i don't know so some sort of like two drop or something like that you're probably not going to grab that joe and in in that case it's it's kind of similar similar but different in the four faction versus like just drafting a normal two faction deck right right i think i we cleared out <laughs> cleared out that section so i will just say that i'm having an excellent week um rank 13 right now i uh nice. i'm getting a lot of winning records so i don't know what happened i've been very hot and cold this format where either i'm like crushing it and then i go through this period where i get like five two threes in a row and then stop drafting for a little bit and then start doing well again. Uh, that's how, that's how I started off the format, to be honest. <laughs> like, uh, yeah. I, I just started off with a lot of two wins or even some zero wins and stuff like that. I did not have a good time starting off the format, but yeah. Um, yeah. What's ki- killing me though, is it like keeps happening. So like, as soon as I feel like I get a grasp of the format and based on a, conversation in in the farming eternal discord this has happened to a few people also where they're like start doing really well and then just go through like a really rough patch and uh and then you just like question (laughs) start questioning everything one thing about the four faction decks is that because your card quality is so high right that uh you you can afford sometimes to miss on influence for a couple of turns and uh, just play the other cards in your hand until you can play your bomb cards that you're splashing for. R- right now, uh, oh, I'm I'm I, I just checked. I'm ranked rank eleven. I went four and three. I went four and three with the uh, with the five action deck. That was the last one. <laughs> uh, we'll we'll talk about that one later because uh, or it includes the card that we wanted to talk about. <laughs> okay. Yeah, so let's do that. We'll start with uh, that's transition just great into card of the week. So, what card okay. did you want to talk about? Uh, Stone Smelt Dragon. Uh, it's a rare. Uh, it's a seven cost triple fire. Notice the triple fire. Five five flyer. 
Um, Nightmare Dragon says, uh, pay seven to give Stone Smelt Dragon plus seven attack this turn. So the next turn you could potentially uh, attack for 12. And then it says, summon kill all enemy relics. Obviously, in draft, the kill all enemy relics doesn't really come up that often. However, the reason why I want to talk about it was uh, right before I, uh, right before Worlds, I drafted this. I had drafted this deck, right? And I and I stream stream sniped uh, Cass. Um, well, I, I didn't I didn't wa- watch their stream, but I was like, you know what? I want to queue into Cass. Um, maybe that's not not kosher. Whatever. <laughs> um, <laughs> I played. Not only did I play the Stone Silk Dragon, but they had an in a in a five faction deck. Uh, I also had a Godan in that deck. The the double fire double uh double justice card. Yeah. Those are my only. Those are my only like strict influence cards, though, right? And triple right. fire on seven, like sure, like it is a five faction deck, so like it's it, it may not happen every game, but um, I think by the time you get there and with enough fixing, like you can, like for example, like Prism Stone, like you can, you can use Prism Stone if you already have like a couple of fire sources. You you might not have to use Prism Stone to 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 get the triple fire. You could get something else right but but the kill all enemy relics actually came up and they had an avergraft on me and i got a three three flyer and it was disgusting <laughs> oh, nice. yeah oh. that's uh yeah that and like brigade hall is the, the like the reason to put these right. <laughs> relic destruction cards in your in your deck i feel like sometimes yeah. but notably i still don't like dismantle even though it can kill brigade hall because yeah. uh, it's 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 just a uh, there's so few targets in the format besides brigade hall and even then it was less than a one for one against that brigade hall right so you just used a a card to get like you know uh, seventy seventy percent of another card because of course the brigade hall is the most important part of that card but the the, the actual relic but. Yeah, it's it still wasn't a one for one, even in that case. Or for example, you get their like ritual dagger that they sacrifice a unit for. Sure, that technically got like a little more than a card, but was it really that good? Even in that scenario, I I don't know, right? I I just yes. Yeah, I think that's the one of the interesting things about some of these like in inscribe on these medium effect cards because you would never play dismantle if it didn't have inscribe and then i'm always wondering (laughs) whether i should be playing dismantle i almost never do but man do i actually get a lot of brigade halls killed (laughs) by dismantle so people are out there uh in the streets playing dismantle (laughs) so I think that Vow of Silence is in general, in general, a more flexible card. If you're going to go with the, right. the, the really, the really quote unquote bad time common. Um, if, if you need to go with a bad time common inscribe because uh, you didn't get enough inscribe or something like that, I would say that Vow of Silence is a little better than, uh, than Dismantle in that regards. Right. Both are, both no, are not I, ideal. I agree. Though. Both are not ideal. Yeah. Um, so my card this week is uh, Wyatt Trashman, which is a five fire fire four four uh, rare with inscribe reckless revenge. Pay three to draw a card. At the end of your turn, discard it. 
Uh, the reason I wanted to uh, uh, mention this card is it, it came up. I was watching a stream this morning, uh, waiting uh, waiting to start the podcast, and uh, eMoneyBags or One Punch uh, had a Wyatt Trashman up. And so this is a gameplay question I want to ask you, uh, okay. the Overmaster. Overmaster. I don't know what I should call you. Call me Theo. Um, Everybody <laughs> I don't know why. I don't know why the announcers insisted calling me the Overmaster. That's clearly that's clearly a mistake. I'm gonna for uh, in my in my world's interview. I'm gonna force them to uh, say it as Theo. That's yeah, a, no, that's pretty sweet. Um, anyway, so what I wanted to ask was kind of a gameplay question. So this came up in uh, uh, One Punch's stream, where and let me know if you don't follow us. They are at seven power, and they have the only card they have in hand is two power, and they have a Wyatt on board. Okay. Okay, so they have two power in hand. They're at seven power. Then they pay three, and they draw um, the time two drop with Valor. Okay. The two-two yeah. with Valor. Yep, yep. So now they they paid three. So now they're at uh, four power. Four power. Yep. With two power in hand, and a two drop in hand. What do you do? I pay three again. Okay. A hundred. So yes. So they paid three again, and then drew a free fire, which was a great card that they then had to discard because they didn't have enough power to play it. They just had enough power to play two. But then there was a long discussion about whether you were supposed to do that second pay three to draw a card. Because you were unlikely, unless it was a power, to be able to play the second card you drew. But the the thing is, is that it was still pretty likely for him to draw a power in that case. Right? In which case it looks looks like a great play. Or they could draw another two drop or something like that that's better than Battle Wars. Unlikely, because Battle Wars Lead is a very good two drop. But... Uh, and I don't know the scenario, like, two life could have mattered. But, like, the, the the thing is is that you could also draw closer to that free fire. Like, the, it's just as likely to draw close. In fact, it's more likely. It's more likely to draw closer to that to, to that free fire than it is to actually just draw the free fire off the top. Or any of your bombs, depending on how many of them are left in deck, obviously. But uh, if there are, like, two bombs left in your deck in, like, a 20-card deck, let's say, it's still much more likely to draw closer to your bombs than it is to to uh to discard and you could you you get a you get the power if if like you miss or you yeah. don't miss or you or you hit with a uh, with uh, getting a getting a power it's the looting argument there, there's there's an article that lsv wrote like uh, years ago about about the looting uh, looting problem right and it's inclusion unless you have the literal best card in your hand you always just loot, right? Um, exactly. Yeah, I mean, because I've heard LSV argue for looting with zero cards in hand. And for those of you who don't know what looting is, that's uh, draw and discard a card. And so it's even, like, more dangerous, in a sense, than Wyatt's ability, which allows you to draw the card and then still play the card uh, before the end of the turn. With looting, you have to just draw a discard. So if you have zero cards in your hand, you are just discarding the top card of your deck. And LSV's argument for why you still do it is because you're the only person 
who knows the contents of your deck. So by putting a card in your graveyard, you now have more knowledge about what's left in your deck. So this is like very subtle percentages here, like, but it, it in fact is still, it benefits you even though sort of without thinking closely about it, it looks like it's no benefit. It looks like you're just taking the top card and putting it in your deck and have gained no advantage. But this when you're talking about context, well, because this very much depends on context though. Like if you're in a draft format, like the, especially in magic where it's 40 card, 40 card deck size um, it, in draft, you might, you might deck yourself, right? But. Yes. No, I agree. There are certain, you know, and we saw that uh, this was many, a couple years ago um, where isomorphic, yeah. I think it was in a game against Gunner, <laughs> um, had the, the 05 that you could pay for to draw a card. And if it was a spell, you kept it. If not, you discarded it. And they decked themselves on coverage in that draft open uh, by sort of overlooting. <laughs> with yeah. that card the problem the problem wasn't and i've i've gotten into this argument with other people right um uh, various other people about it i don't think the problem was him doing that it's that he didn't stop <laughs> like he at some point you do need to you do need to realize that you are going to like it it, it could have shaved turns off uh, potentially by stopping after you know like the fourth or fifth time they did it or something and he just wasn't getting anything like like you need to stop eventually but uh just like in that scenario with lsv you need to you know th th there is a point in which uh the, the there is diminishing returns right to 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 yes. doing something like that yes i agree um yeah it, it's there's definitely ob obviously in card games there's no absolute absolute rules but i do think it is something to keep in mind it's like there are these things that i think makes the the average player very uncomfortable to do but that doesn't mean it's it's the wrong move per se and i think discarding cards is, is one of those things that the average player starts to feel <laughs> they're like i don't i don't really want to put a card in, in the graveyard i might be able to play it you know just but you this is how you think about it. If you loot, right, uh, it feels a lot better. Let's say if you uh, if you drew from the bottom of your deck and discarded it, right? If you and you discarded your bomb from the bottom of the deck, it's like, well, I never had it, right? I never had it anyway. It was at the bottom of my deck. It's exactly the same scenario. It's exact unless you're doing some 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 deck manipulation on the top of your deck, right? It's exactly the same scenario to draw the card from the bottom of your deck or the top of your deck, in this uh, in this case, right? Right. It just feels a lot worse when you discard the bomb from the top of your deck versus the bottom of your deck. It just feels different, right? But it's exact same scenario. Yeah. Um, cool. So we'll just move on to our seven win run breakdown. So this is our longstanding data collection project here at Farming Eternal, where our listeners can send in their seven win drafts to either the email farmingeternal at gmail.com, where I'll eventually post them, or you can post them in our seven win channel of the Farming Eternal Discord as either exported deck list or any kind of Eternal Warcry link. And then we compile them into a spreadsheet. Um, 
where you can see what factions are doing well in people's seven win lists. Um, you can also, it's a great way to keep a record of your drafts. Uh, and then we kind of do some, a little bit more data analysis, like top cards and stuff, which some people find really helpful. And then you get a shout out um, on the podcast for submitting a list. So we haven't, uh, I, since I haven't done a podcast in a little bit, there, there's a few names to read out here. So I'll do that quickly. So thank you to all our veteran contributors. Second Battery, Abinego, Abarash, uh, 1819, Aboss, Agent Dynamo, Alabazoo, Alex Fierro, Avgots, Beard Broken, Cigar Peak, Cotillion, Darth Herman 2, D Dubs, D Vincent, Dwiggy, Fast Cookie, Frafa, Gunner 116, Hats on Lamps, uh, Honky, Hot Nickelball, I'm So Bad, Ip Long No, John Holio, LM Dimasi, Lord Perth, Madness, Marcus Gwindle, uh, Meavers, Old Rich, Out on a Limb, Pachi, Parmalee, Patamaru, Philolithes, Phoenix, Raven Dragon, Sakarnan, Sniper Bob 613, SSJ 1997, Steve Irwin, Tempest Dragon King, Who Does That, and Yam Yam. So I'm not going to go into details about what's been winning because the format's been out for a while, but we are almost at a thousand lists submitted for this format. So I just want to thank everyone who has taken the time uh, to submit a list. Uh, just think about how long, how many decks we would have if WSG also submitted lists. Uh, maybe we'll talk, I'm going to maybe talk to them about that. Uh, it's kind of just a, a fun project that uh, I really appreciate everyone taking the time to do. All right, so we'll get into our main topic here. Uh, we've you know touched on this a little bit, uh, but it is uh, drafting multi-faction decks. Um, so I guess I'll just open the floor to you uh, with what you have to say, and then we'll sort of go from there. It's unfortunate that I have a um, I already have a deck open, right? That, that I'd already drafted previously because the easiest way would be to like go into a draft and then like, like it, it's, it's a lot harder on a podcast, but I could like describe like what I'm thinking about in terms of the picks, right? Really quickly, right. at least to start off with. But the things I'm looking for to start off with are multi-faction invoke cards. Those cards are, um, they, they on the surface they seem like just like a a one for one plus like a, a random card, but a lot of times a lot of times especially the really good ones are like for example stolen augmentation or 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 frostburn or or um or sweet dreams or something like that. Those cards are the some of the best cards in the format, bar none. They are as good as most rares in a lot of cases. They are so, sometimes stolen augmentation can be like a three for one or something like that. Sometimes a four for one. It is crazy how good that card is, right? So when you take stolen augmentation, and, but you're already, let's say, you're already committed to like time or something like that, right? You you've are you you get like a fourth pick stolen augmentation. Don't know why, to be honest, but like let's say that happened, right? And, and and it does happen fairly regularly, but you're already like committed a little bit to time, right? And you got a fourth pick stolen augmentation. Boom, you take stolen augmentation. You're probably three faction at that point, right? Um, right. You're already three faction at that point. Let's say you grab a sweet dreams, right? Okay. Well, now we're probably four faction at that point, right? You now have, you now have a time base and 
you know, a stolen augmentation and a sweet dreams that you're looking to splash. Then you can start looking at, for example, if you're time-based, that means that you don't need to look for inscri uh, time inscribes. Of course, there are good time inscribes that you're going to look for anyway, like uh, beta, right? But you don't necessarily need to look for time inscribe cards to splash with. You can just use your power base. Your regular power base, you just add in, you know, a bunch of time sigils, right? And that's great because then you can play your time cards early. And your splash cards are a little later. That means that you're looking for, for example, primal inscribed or or or, or like uh, a, a justice inscribed cards. The justice inscribed cards are actually great. Um, the rune sword and 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 um, and the wings, they're super fantastic, right? So um, so that's what that that's the way you start these drafts. I'm not saying that every single time you do that. Like for example, let's say you open up an Ijin, you're not gonna you don't immediately think, well, I should be four faction, right? You could maybe be two faction with a splash with an Ijin in in very highly competitive scenarios. I've certainly done the four faction, five faction thing with Ijin. It sometimes works, sometimes doesn't. I'm not I'm not suggesting everyone go out and do that, right? That's just a fun little uh, fun little thing you can attempt to do with the format because the fixing is pretty good, or or it it looks bad until you realize that inscribe is just as good as you know as a banner or something like that, right? Um, right. I still would take tomes over over inscribe as general as general level fixing, right? That's one thing you mm -hmm. do need to look for early uh, is is tomes, right? Uh, or or the volunteer core. You do need to look for those cards early. If like let's say you see like some powerful inscribed card like a beta or a tome, right? You'd probably take the tome if you're looking to draft this kind of strategy. Okay, so you would take a tome over a beta, you just said. I think so. In most okay. cases. I think so in most cases. Um it depends on the mood I'm feeling, right? It depends. Uh, uh, it depends entirely on my mood. Um if I'm not in the mood for a four faction draft, like beta is probably better. But um but uh, for for faction, uh, certainly the tome will will get better mileage, right? In in a in that kind of deck. Um. So, are is your pick order? So, I guess I'm just wondering. You know, like there are some of these rares in this set. The you know the uh, XXYY uh, influence rares like uh, Ijin or Zhou. Are you picking those cards over something like, uh, how about Stolen Augmentation? Maybe the best of the Invoke cycle. I would probably still take those rares over Stolen Augmentation. They're, the, okay. those, those particular ones are very, very powerful. I don't know what an example of is that, that would come closer to Stolen Augmentation of Power. I mean, Stolen Augmentation is as good as a lot of rares, but, uh, but I... I'm in general. If if I see if I open up a Joe or, or stolen augmentation, uh, over like I would take the Joe over a stolen augmentation. There's and in general, mm -hmm. what what can happen is that you you don't necessarily draft a four faction deck in that case. Like sometimes you can you can you know do a, a two faction deck with with a, a splash right, and that's that right. that's like any draft format. You can pretty much do that right. It is a two faction deck plus plus a splash if you really wanted to. Like if you get another stolen augmentation later on down the road, like I would still take the stolen augmentation and try to splash it. It is that powerful of a card. But you know, um, 
But Joe is just a nutty card. Yes. <laughs> okay. So then what about these these top invoke cards compared to maybe some of the other good uncommons like a brigade hall or a cloud scraper? Ooh, those are tough because uh I hmm it's tough. It, it depends on on how deep I am already, right? If this is the fourth pack, maybe the invoke card is better and I'm already I'm already looking in the four faction strategy. But in in the initial packs, no, nah, I'd probably take uh I'd probably still take uh, Cloud Scraper or or Brigade Hall over an Invoke card uh, in like the oh. first like few picks. Yeah. Yes. Those are uh, those are some insane cards though. A Cloud Scraper is just <laughs> is just completely nutty. Also, uh, Cloud Scraper can be used as a way to splash in these uh, four faction Invoke uh, strategies if you really wanted to. I don't know. So most of the time, I feel pretty bad if I inscribe a Cloud Scraper, but it does happen, right? I've inscribed yeah. a Hojin in this format. It's <laughs> just, uh, you know, sometimes you gotta you gotta do what you gotta do, right? Exactly. Yeah, that's what's interesting, you know, because like, it's not like if you pick Cloud Scraper because it has Inscribe or Brigade Hall, you're you're not like, oh, I'm committing to a two faction deck because like you're definitely playing Brigade Hall in, in a four, <laughs> in a four, four faction, faction deck too. Yeah. That's one of the reasons to, in fact, that's one of the kind of a reason to be like four faction right? or, or or like some sort of like more more than two faction is that it's like you can take a look at a break eight hall and be like, yeah, I'll probably play this in my final product, right? In, in my final right. deck, because uh, you'll just be all those colors, right? That is a worthy splash of a card, right? You are definitely going to be playing that card. And... In a two-faction deck, you might, for example, you're in, like I said before, I, I, you're in a two-faction deck, you see, like, a Feral Serpent or something like that. It's like, well, I, I guess I can't play that card, right? Uh, it sucks that I open it up, but, you know, pass it for this other card, right? And, and uh, But in a four-faction deck, you might be able to just, depending on your your level of fixing, it is a double primal card. Um, depending on your level of fixing, you might still be like, you know what? I guess that's the. I guess I can take that card, and that's the beauty of a like a pile kind of strategy. I guess that's what Chips calls it, right? A pile strategy, like you draft like a pile with like more than two factions. Yeah, I I I I call them Winvoke piles, uh, but it's just like a pile of all the good cards without like there's yeah. When you yeah, as far as Winvoke, yeah, certain percentage of the time. Like invoke is just the best card in your deck, right? Like there's certain percentage right. of the time it will get something that's like completely off the wall and out of the out of the world. Notably, uh, for those of you watching the VOD, that pillar of Amar in my hand that that they were like, oh man, I had a, like a, a what is a raging jackal and then a in my, in my hand and then I also had a uh, oh no I had it in play and then I also had like a pillar of Amar in my hand. That that pillar of Amar was from an invoke. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I did not splash. I did not splash to, uh, a pillow of Amara in worlds. <laughs> the, the, that's some, um, that's some crazy talk. <laughs> yeah, but you know uh, that actually leads us. Um, okay, well, I guess there's two there's two things uh, that I wanted to ask about. One is sort of following that. Is there any? You know, one of the interesting things about that your deck at worlds was. 
It was was it Fire Time main? It was Fire Primal main. It was a Skycrack. Fire Primal main. Okay. It had a little and bit so, higher. You know, it had a time splash, but the the time splash was a little more than the Shadow Splash. So it was like oh. Fire Fire Primal, like main colors, and then like a little more for time of a splash than the the um than the Shadow. Yeah. Yeah, and I thought that was kind of interesting because you I. I think, I guess, you don't really think of, like, fire decks as, like, the four-faction main uh, color. don't even want to. Uh, in general, general, most of my four-faction piles like that generally don't in, don't include fire. Fire is ve- very generally, for me, a, a, a two-faction strategy, but, like, th- those are the cards that came. I had, like, Captain and stuff like that. Those, those yeah. Mm-hmm. So how did that world's deck come together? Was it like an early invoke card that sort of led you to that strategy? You know, I I was thinking about drafting conservatively for for worlds, right? I I was like I you know I was in between, right? I I was you know you don't want to ever ever screw up at worlds, right? That that's not something right. you want. It's like you generally want to be fairly conservative i think at, in in such a high level high level scenario but then i got a midnight disappearance like really late and and i actually thought to myself it's like should i be four faction like okay well okay fine i'll pass it for this uh, other like uh, uh, like it was some inscribed card or something like that maybe a beta or something right i wasn't mm-hmm. necessarily in midnight and then in the last pack, I got another Midnight Disappearance. My deck could have been so much better with double Midnight Disappearance. Like, it would have been <laughs> ten times better with double Midnight Disappearance. But, like, uh, it's... So I wasn't looking to draft four faction going in, but it's sort of like, because I've been so grained in my head now to to, 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 to draft and splash things, that, that it just it just kept on coming i got like a bannerman and a seek power and stuff i was like yep it's go time right like right all right and so then the other thing is we had mentioned you had mentioned this earlier but it was about like what kind of inscribed cards you're looking for and can you talk a little bit more about that i guess i could bring it up uh i'm gonna bring it up in client like the sort of things for example um, red uh, or fire has has some fairly good ones, right? Warning shot and draconic looting are just premium inscribed cards. Molten feet is underrated, and during uh, Jiren, Yeti is, I mean, for a different deck generally, but I, I would still run it, right? In yeah. So of course, in in uncommon territory, you've only Forge Smith, and that's amazing. Now I was, I will say that again, that. Fire is in generally not a place to, I want to be when I'm splashing like this, unless I have the literal card Frostburn, right? When I, when I have Frostburn, I will clearly splash for it. it. Is one of the, it is in general one of the better invoke cards, right? There's probably what my my I think Sweet Dreams for me is the best one um, uh, over Solar Augmentation, but uh, people generally disagree. Solar Augmentation is obviously like better in more situations but sweet dreams is in general a bigger blowout when it happens um mm-hmm. so and then and then frostburn after that right despite yeah. the fact that frostburn uh, uh frostburn is a fire card so 
if you see a frost burn, you're probably going to be on fire if you're drafting the strategy. Um, but in general, there are less splashable cards. I don't know. Fire feels more like a, an aggressive strategy, right, in this format. And I don't think these four-faction decks in general lead very well to aggressive strategies. I have drafted, you know, aggressively statted units. You know, two cost two one is still fine. It'll trade with things. But, like, I, I would value things like Dune Phantoms higher than, like, two drops in this kind of deck, right? The, mm -hmm. Where you could generally, like, stall until you, you get your bombs. But anyway, let's move on to, to time. Oh, sorry. I, one last question on that. So does that mean you are... Are you, would you still be picking up like later Searing Fists or Captains? Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, those cards are just. Those seem like the, the quote unquote splashable fire cards in my mind. They are. They are for sure. Um, I mean, Seer is just one of the best uh, commons still. Captain yeah. is still one of the best commons. Like, those cards are still uh, very, very insane. Um, and then in time, dismantle is poop soup. Um, <laughs> I don't, I don't. Dismantle just doesn't have that many targets in the format, to be honest. Yeah. Uh, Kickflip bunk is in general very, very good, but I will watch. Uh, you, you do need to watch out for the uh, for the subtext. <laughs> Cards can't leave voids. Um, yes. So. Uh, because of your revenge units, lost and thought is fine. It's a, it's an okay blowout sometimes. Vile silence is fine. Um, Crowdscaper is one of the best cards. Like uh, beta, beta is probably the best time common, right? You will splat. Like right. I, I will play like five betas. I don't know. That card is just. I love that card. That card. Is, yeah. Like, no, I, I agree. I agree about the beta. That's that's kind of how I am. Can even be the best common inscribe card. Um, uh, I I do like wings as well. Um, yeah, yeah. I think it, I mean that. I think is a little bit deck dependent about what what's the best inscribed card because like, yeah. So so Mithril Guardian is deceptively good in these kinds of decks, right? Because of um, because it's good stall. Um, so you will run right. guardians. I'm not going to say I'd take it over a wings. I think wings in general. Uh. It, this, I'm I'm moving on to justice com, com, yeah. common inscribed cards. Like I I, I don't uh, like wings is still my my go to like powerful inscribed splash for justice. <coughs> and uh yeah, and rune sword is also deceptively powerful late game. Like you can get a two for one easily off of that. And in general, in draft, I think what you're looking for, especially with these these particular kinds of drafts, is as many two for ones as you could possibly get. Just override your opponent in card advantage with the with the invokes um and then of course in primal you have spellhammer is good uh Sumpic eagle is fantastic it is a double splash you're still gonna try you're gonna still try like I'm, I'm, <laughs> but um but eagle definitely loses its sl slight amount of value in these uh these decks maybe um and Caustic Rain. Caustic Rain is still, even in this kind of deck, when you have, like, walls and stuff, I still think Caustic Rain is just very... It's too situational almost, right? Yeah. Yeah, I I agree. I, I'm not... I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't love Caustic Rain. Um, and then... 
Iceover and Scalehide are on the same, pretty much the same power level. I think Scalehide probably lends itself to blowouts a little more, but Iceover can save you in a pinch. Like, um, so so both of them are okay. You generally don't want to run like more than like one or two of those particular ones, though. Whereas like the ones you're looking for in the common inscribe slot for Primal are probably the Snoopy Kegel and the and the Spellhammer. You'll you'll run as many right. Spellhammers as you can get your hands on. Um, but I wouldn't take them like super highly, but uh, like when you get them, like, uh, you, you will definitely try to run as many as possible. And then shadow is shadows inscribe are just insane. Like call the hit and eavesdrop are both completely insane. You know, what's weird is that eavesdrop, like I thought eavesdrop was like whatever at the beginning of the format. Like it, it was basically like, um, mine rod is the, um, is the magic card. It's like three mana. Opponent discards two cards. It's basically eavesdrop, except for eavesdrop does so much more than that. It wipes their uh, uh, void for any recursion or anything like that. Or if you have recursion, you get their their powerful cards and whatnot. And it it inscribes right. Like the, when 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 you need it to be a power, it's a power. And when they have two cards in hand, including a power and a bomb, like it devastates them. Right? It devastates them. So yes, yeah. The fact that there's more synergy, like there's synergy in this format with stealing their graveyard, it just like blows my mind. (laughs) Like, yeah, it's you know like all of a sudden you're getting plus two plus two (laughs) on your on your units because they had like an alchemist or you know it's just like oh yeah, so crazy to me. And uh, Vermin's Feast is. this is one of my favorite cards in the format. Um, your mileage would vary. Like, th- that card is hard to play with, too, right? It lends itself to very, very tricky board states and stuff. But if you find yourself in a good board state for Vermispeed, you cannot lose. Um, so I didn't mention Bathe in Light. That's another uncommon uh, inscribed card that you will take with with. Like yeah. that, that card is... Like, both it, both those two cards, the Vermispeed and Bathe in Life, are... are the best of the quote-unquote uncommon inscribed cards. They're hard to splash, quote-unquote, but, like, again, you're, do you really care? Like, you 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 use it as a power if you can't cast the card, and then uh, later on in the game, when you do have your double, your double influence, you will get it eventually. Like, I know it seems like you'll only get a single influence in these decks, right, of any single one of these splashable colors, but, like, uh, later on in a game, even if you have like, let's say five sources, right, for like fire in your deck, like later on in the game, you might get those two fire sources. So it's like, yeah, or 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 time or, or shadow, right? Like, right, you, you might still get those in later on in the game. So you're definitely still playing Bay the Light, no matter what. Even in a, even if you're, even if the time is your is your uh, soft splash, right? Um, you're still. Uh, you're still probably going to cast Bathe in Light eventually. I will mention that if you're going to be using one of these strategies, I think that time is probably the, your base color in a lot of cases because it gets um, uh, the card Nurturing Sentinel. And while Nurturing Sentinel is not an actual splash card, I think that uh, it's one of the keys because uh, it sort of like gives you like a small percentage of getting... Uh, or, of getting the the other faction and it like does so much for for your strategy like blocks and like it draws you a card and gives you extra 
extra stuff. So I, I think that time is maybe the best uh, faction if you're going to go with the, the four faction invoke strategy. Two faction plus two. Yeah, plus yeah I, I can definitely see that. Um, so uh, along, so more on this inscribe. So where are you ever picking like off color inscribe? Like say you don't have a justice card you want to play yet. I don't know. I like, yes, the answer is okay. yes. So if, 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 if I see like, like later on in a pack or even some, sometimes early, if there's, if there's, if it's a bad pack, like, but like, I, and I'm not in the colors, but I see a rune sword. Like I'm like, well, I guess I'm gonna take the rune sword and maybe splash it, maybe maybe use it to splash. Like, but you know, for sure. Right. So so that's sort of how highly you're valuing these inscribes, and and then the other sort of last question I had, or the, not the last question. I take that back. Is where are you on volunteer core? Like, how high of a pick is that for you? As a first pick, first pack for me. I wasn't okay. very high on it, even earlier on, like in the format, or even like midway through the format, where I started like uh, started drafting these these decks a little bit more, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but now it's just like it 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 does so much for you. It, it in a four faction deck, like it, it is later on. It's a four two flyer too. It's not like. Uh, yeah, it's, right. It's, it's not like it's it's irrelevant. It's a, it's a, exactly. Um, yeah. Notably, I okay. still would probably if I were um, if they were in the same um, pack, right? And I saw two of them in the same pack, like Bannerman and Volunteer Corps. I probably would still take Bannerman more highly. Mm-hmm. Because it, it generally okay. it's it's a it's a good card that trades, but like uh, it. it but uh, as far as the, pretty much the only way you can do it, uh, this this five faction sort of like the, finding any influence you need, uh, the the core core like is definitely a very high pick. Um, what would I take it like? What are some stuff that I would take over a core, um, like cloud scraper? Like I don't think I'd actually take an invoke over it, right? Because. Uh, like if I'm looking f- to do this kind of thing, like early on, like the core is definitely the better card, right? Okay. Allows you to do better, ca- better things. Like, but it it depends, right? Like, I guess it depends on my mood, right? Like you can you can draft whatever you want. In terms of like a a competitive stance, it's tough because the core allows you to do more things. But it's also not in general like a a very powerful card on the surface. So right. at world at worlds, I I don't know what I would have done like in a like an extremely highly competitive scenario where I'm looking to only win, right? Um, because of course, like like a, oh, my my example that what I want to give is when um when ghp asked me for advice in vintage cube for example right and how how to draft (laughs) vintage cube i was like do you want to win or do you want to have fun or do you want to do something in between right because i can do the gamut right i can i can you know go two one every single time 
and Vintage Cube, or or not every single time. There are some very good Vintage Cube, but but you know what I'm saying. Like a, a high percentage of time, I can go two one in Vintage Cube. Is that what you want? Right? Is that what you want? Do you right. want to go five wins this particular draft? Do you want to go five wins this particular draft or more to go infinite? Right? And um, sometimes the answer is no. I want to actually try something out. Right? And core allows you to try out so many more things, right? My final question, and then we're going to get into a couple community questions, is is the the one issue I see with these four color invoke piles is that they're just like expensive. Like you know, like the invoke cards are very good cards, but you know they te- they're over costed for their effect because you get to draw a card and then you know even a lot of the inscribed cards are kind of expensive cards and like volunteer core is kind of an an expensive card that doesn't do much for you early as far as blocking and staying alive so like what are you what are you doing to not get run over are you still trying to build a curve out deck like what's sort of the shape of the deck once you think you're drafting of you know a three four or five color deck in general these decks don't have very good curves but there are cards that i specifically look for like i said earlier like dune phantoms i've even ran for example the three cost oh six um the the stealth unit and stuff in these kinds of decks scorpion for example that's one of the ones listed in the um in the notes, uh, Scorpion is something I very value highly in this kinds of decks, right? Despite it being easy to kill, right? It still holds so much at bay for so long, right? While you get to while you get to your inscribed cards and stuff, right? Like you definitely need like cheap early interaction walls. Um, I, I've been less high on first fall shaman. Uh, now than I was in the past, but that's certainly something that you can do because it costs five. It's not really early ways to to defend, but it does create two walls, which is very, very, um, very, very good and strong in this kind of strategy. I still wouldn't run the three cost oh four flying uh, flying card. Um, I think that card is very bad. Uh, yeah. Remember, what, what's it called? Um, oh, Miner's Canary. That card. Um, still wouldn't run things like that. I mean, I have some self-respect. Um, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, you have to... When, when you draft this particular strategy, at least, you have to you have to think about, okay, so, well, I didn't get enough two-drops. Let's say I have two or three two-drops, right? Which is something that happens very frequently in this format anyway. I don't know. Like, if, if you're drafting... Even if you're drafting, like, a two-faction aggressive deck, and you see, like like, some sort of, like, like a Noah's Fury over a two drop, like just take the two drop, like no matter what it is, like, geez, like th- there are, you're going to run into situations where you're not going to have enough two drops in, in aggressive decks in this format. There yeah. That's the hardest enough. part about this format for aggressive two faction decks is you're relying so hard on the draft packs. Cause that's, <laughs> that's where so many of the playable two drops are. Yeah, exactly. So, that that's actually a plus to this kind of deck uh, to the four faction uh, uh, the these invoke strategies is that like you actually don't care that you didn't get enough two drops right like you know normally like i would say like in a normal draft deck like two faction draft deck you want five or six two drops right something like that right um but like 
in this format, you might even in even in some aggressive strategy, you're still stuck at three a lot, right? You still have to play a, a bunch of threes because, of course, there's the the stealth units, and in general, the the even without stealth units, there's still a glut of threes in the format, and so you don't care with this strategy that 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 happened as long as you picked up like a dune phantom or something right or 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 something like early early interact early defend interactions like for example like um rune binder is very very strong right um in general i think rune binder is very very strong anyway uh, barring these decks but i i think that they're in general stronger in this type of deck because you know you get you get a little bit of life back you defend yourself well against the onslaught and then like the 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 aggressive strategies in this format just have they 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 stop very quickly right uh, once you once you once you've uh, set set your set up shop you you they they stop very quickly you can um you can stop them and you can, in general if you if you look at doing it uh looking at doing it in your in your packs right like you look at defending yourself uh, you can very easily stop aggro decks in this format. I'm not. I'm not saying like you also have to think about things like flying and whatnot, right? Um, but I think with good removal and and stuff, it's just not. It's not that difficult to defend against. And so then I just want we'll get into a few of these questions from the community, um, and some some of these you touched on already, so you can kind of blow th- through these, uh, but. Uh, both uh, Cotillion and uh, Meavers wanted to know, like, how soon do you commit to three factions, and are you sort of warping your decks starting from pick one with an eye towards it? I mean, I am, because I find the fun strategy kind of fun to draft, but uh, in general, if you're looking to be competitive about it, look for a five-win deck, I'd say... It depends. If you get like double invoke early, like sure, uh, do it right. But um, or you get a volunteer core. Uh, so let's say within the first four or five picks, I'm looking. I'm 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 I've already got my eye on it. By the end of the first pack, like I'll know. I'll know a decent percentage how it is. But like normally in the like let's say the second pack is where I. I figure it out because in the second pack you get seek power and, and bannerman, right? And also the banners. Like it depends on if you get uh, some some early fixing and what. Yeah. Uh, let's say let's say mi- middle of the second pack. Sometimes though, I've actually gone into the fourth pack and seen like a sweet dreams, and I'm like, and I'm like Corendon or something, and uh, or, or like like two-faction with a light splash for something like a solid augmentation, and I see a sweet tree, and so I'm like, well, that's it. I, I guess we're, I guess we're four-faction now. I just, uh, go grab just go grab that spell hammer next, and the, and the, uh, and, uh, an eagle next, and a, uh, and, uh, we're, we're, all of a sudden, we're we're down that road, right? And you'd be surprised at how often it works, right? That That's the, that's the thing about it. Uh, I don't think I'm that crazy in doing it anymore. Like I thought initially that I was like, you know, being like, oh, let's try this interesting thing because because uh, Inscribe is so good at fixing. Uh, but I didn't realize that it was actually a legit strategy at first, right? Right. So then, um, 
so what percent, uh, Marcus uh, Gwindle wanted to know, like what, how often do you end up with three or more colors? Like what percentage of decks do you think? Um, that's greater than 50% of the time at this point. But, um, but, uh, but again, like what, what is, what is, what does uh, Marcus mean by uh, three color though, right? Like two faction and a splash is generally something you can do in almost any single draft format, right? Um, two faction and, and, a, and a minor splash. Like if we're talking about three faction, like totally, like almost never, right? Like even even my four faction decks, like so some of them will end up looking like piles, but like that's because probably because I, I ended up like going a little too heavily into it, right? Uh, like I started to to derail myself, right? In general, the, the even the four faction decks are two faction base plus double splash, right? So mm-hmm. it depends on what what they mean by uh, three faction. If it's three faction straight up, almost almost never. And if it is three factions straight up, my fixing is in general very, very good. I am... That is one thing I pride myself on, um, is... is um, getting good fixing and not derailing myself too hard that I can't play my cards. Even when I'm drafting, like, a five-faction deck, for example, right? In general... I will count out things and uh, count out things very, very like um, I can't go too, too deep and heavily in this kind of short. Maybe I'll make an article about it at some point. Right. I probably I I probably won't uh, because it because it requires a lot of work. But like uh, just uh, how deep and heavily I go into like counting influence and whatnot. Right. And knowing exactly and it's it's not like an exact science or anything like that. It depends on like how how, how early you get, uh, how early you need certain influence. How uh, uh, it's like okay, so I so I need this triple fire for the stone smelt dragon, but actually it's just a seven drop. So like, do how how much do I need? It's like okay, I might need seven sources in my deck, right? But like, it's not an exact right. science. But like, I'm generally very very good at 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 making splashes work and with the proper amount of fixing right um so mm-hmm. three faction is is kind of a misnomer in, in this case right it's it's not necessarily exactly three faction because that's like extremely hard to do even in this format right right so then uh you kind of touched on this but Cotillion asked like how much fixing do you look for uh when you're considering these multi-faction decks and like um, and are you actively looking for fixing in pack one over other playable cards? And you kind of touched on this saying that you pick the tomes pretty highly early on. Yeah. Um, in this format, anything with that, that fixes twice is extremely powerful, right? Anything mm-hmm. that fixes twice is extremely powerful. It's even in generally in general, Although I think of the four faction deck, you probably would still take like a bannerman over like a, a banner, but like it's close because two uh, fixing for two colors at once is just ex- an extremely powerful effect. Um, even if you don't have the the choice, quote unquote, of which one, which ones you want. All right, and then finally, this isn't about uh, three factions, but I think you're a good person to ask. Uh, Ham Chops was wondering. What do you think some of the most important factors that contribute um, 
to moving from a one to three win player to a four to six win player is? Um, let's see. There's definitely a it's definitely an interesting question. I know that I've played a ton, right? Like that, yeah. that's that, that's what that's in general what what I'd like to answer for this kind of thing is that like play more, you'll eventually make a breakthrough, quote unquote, right? It's like if you're a one to three player win player, like that's unfortunate, right? You're gonna lose a bit of gold, but any single one of us will start a format and like in general be like good or bad depending on the format. And you might even as a really good player still start off the format and be like a one one to three win player, right? You just have to play right. the format and get a better understanding. I think one thing so so the thing that helped me the most, and it's it's hard because like you you may not have you may not have the amount of community outreach like I do, but like it's that uh you know, get involved get involved in the community. For example, even if it's just something like like uh, on the eternal discord going to uh, uh to the draft channel and like l- listening to uh, or uh you know to getting northern player clarity blast uh, blasting at you like picks or whatever uh doing it like that right he's a very good player right you, you just uh you you will get eventually what he's going he's going for right and you'll improve as a player like that and if you really want to take that extra leap you can go to like a voice call i know that the misplay does it occasionally, right? Um, and WSG Discord does it, right? Or you can get like like-minded players. You can ask for help, right? Um, and uh, doing it in voice, and when you argue out picks, sure, like you may, <laughs> it may be rough the first co- a couple of goes. Like I mean, we do argue, you know, about about things, and we might get uh, sometimes you know, we even get angry at each other. You know, it's like ah, you should have picked this kind of thing, right? But like. Uh, if you discuss things constantly over and over, right, um, in draft, especially a draft, um, you will get better as a player, right? I right. think that I think that voice is the best way to get better at uh, at draft. Um, I know may, maybe people disagree with me, but that's how I got that's how I, uh, how I got better at draft. That's why I think listening to my voice is the best way to get good at draft. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I It's, I don't know. I, and this is a thing that I struggle with a lot because, like, record-wise, I've obviously gotten better at this game. But then I don't know what I'm doing differently. <laughs> and so I, I, like, I consider myself, like, a really bad player. And then I, you know, like, right now I'm ranked, 15 or something and i and like i just don't know (laughs) know what that means or like because i i still don't view myself as a good player it's it's very complicated i so i do think for like speaking more to ham chops is like one of the things is like you just said just you need to play a lot you'll get better even if you don't think you're getting better and like it's a slow road and you just gotta play a lot and Think about it a lot and talk to people a lot. When did Mirrodin come out? Well, I, I've been drafting since like probably Odyssey, but like, uh, when did Mirrodin come out? That's when I first first started drafting a lot in MTG. When did that set yeah. come out? Um, that was two thousand and three. Okay, so keep that in mind. Okay, 
I've been drafting for uh, 19 years, okay? 19 years. I've taken breaks, but, like, that is a long, long time, right? And that, don't let that discourage you, but just, just know that if you play a ton, you will eventually get better, right? I was not very good uh, back then. I was maybe still very uh, good at that particular format in, in my particular play group, but, like, in general, I was not a very good drafter, and I got better as I played more and, you know, um, got more involved in community stuff and, you know, things like that. So it, I'm not saying that it would take, like, a, there, there are a lot more resources now available that would help you improve than there was back in 2003, right? So right. you don't need to necessarily take 19 years, but let's say give it, like, two years right before yeah if, well if, i've been doing the podcast for three years now and i did not draft very seriously before then and i didn't really play a lot of magic either i like paid attention to magic but never really played it and yeah so it, it can be done you can you can go from a one to three win player to a four to six win player and a lot of it is like drafting can take you really far because i'm awful at, at playing the game i'm like a total idiot but i think my drafting is pretty good and fits my style style of play which i think is part of the reason why i prefer two faction decks because they're like harder <laughs> harder to screw up <laughs> in a sense when playing them than these four faction um that, that is another thing they are kind of like you, you it's not that they're they're harder to play in general but there is a lot of sequencing stuff that you might not get right that 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 is a thing that you when, when you when you pick that bannerman when you play that bannerman and you have like a card in hand that you might want to play but like you have like five cards you may uh, may want to play in your deck that you need to get that influence for you may want to choose the influence of that rather than the card necessarily in your hand and you know things like that uh, you do have to uh it's it's not about playing it's not about play difficulty i actually think that aggro decks are fairly are fairly difficult to play in general like you you mess up in aggro decks like you 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 lose because uh your opponent stabilizes and you can't win right but um uh, the, these decks have definitely interesting sequencing decisions. I actually like yeah. interesting sequencing decisions. I know that's not the the best part of Returnal potentially, uh, but uh, but I, I like the interesting sequencing decisions. I agree. I'm just like horrible about it, and yet like I think my drafting skill allows me to still do pretty well in the rank queues. And so I do think, like you suggested, like talking to people, talking to Northern Polarity and stuff, because I think it's a lot harder to get help to get better at gameplay. And so getting better at drafting is like the, the easier thing to work on in a sense. Yeah. And it, but, but don't feel too, too bad in, in the first game. Now it didn't cost me that game, thankfully, but, uh, I did miss lethal in the, in a game in the world championship 
the last final match. Okay, so don't don't feel bad about missing things like that. All right. Well, I think we'll end our show there. That was uh, really great, uh, Theo. Thank you for coming on. I think this was a great episode. No problem. No problem. Um, and again, thanks to all our patrons for making the show a success. And for those of you who are not patrons, a reminder to give us a five-star rating and review on iTunes, Stitcher, or Google Play, um, as well as a thumbs up to all Raven Dragon's Reddit posts that I think really helps spread the show. Uh, you can join us in our Discord uh, for Farming Eternal. There'll be a link in the in the show description. And don't forget to send in all your seven-win deck lists you do. Uh, best way is to post them in the Discord, but you can also... Uh, send them into farmingeternal at gmail.com. And remember to keep on farming.